Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin and with me today are... Jake. Chris. Ames. And James. And... Yay! And James. James! I'm here. James is back. Always a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you for joining us. Of course. I'm sorry that... I just, I guess, I'm just sorry. This is a blanket apology. I'm sorry this isn't a Garrick episode, because we usually have you on for Garrick episodes. And are you also sad that I missed the baseball episode that I am sure all of you loved last week? Do, 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 do. It was not, um, it was not universally I agreed upon it. about the quality of the episode. I liked oh, it. Oh, interesting. Bad. All right, sorry, I won't, won't need to bring up old, yeah, it wasn't, old I'm battles. I'm not saying it was, five. <laughs> just to clarify, I'm not saying I thought it was good, I'm saying I liked it. There is a difference. I like lots of <laughs> schlock, to be fair. Speaking of schlock, this week, uh, we're here to talk about two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Chrysalis, and Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. So, uh, I don't know why I said it that way. Don't look at me like that. Uh, so <laughs> wasn't looking at you like anything. Yeah, sure. I didn't see how you were looking at me. I just saw you turn to look at me when I said it, so I assumed it was bad. Oh, but before we press on, what episode is this? I have no idea. Woo! Oh. <laughs> it's uh, episode 223. Oh, damn. This is an old... We, there's a lot of episodes of this show. It's a shame we probably have less... Listeners than episodes. Oh. Fewer. Fuck both of you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, fewer, of course. Thank you. That's why that's why our fewer than 223 listeners love this show. It's because we're all pedants. I think they we should it. change the, change the name of this podcast to Pedants the Podcast. So yes, up first on episode 223. Woo! Woo! Uh, we have to discuss Chrysalis. <sighs> and uh, I knew this day was coming. I didn't think it would be this soon. I didn't think it would be this bad. Uh, I was pretty sure it would be this bad. <laughs> uh, Jack and the Whack Attack Squad are back. Whoa, that's uh, good. Thank you. Uh, I do a little freestyling. <laughs> I don't. Uh, no. But uh, yeah, so Jack and Patrick and the horny one and Serena, or what's her name? Lauren? Lauren. Lauren, Lauren? yeah. Lorna, that's what I said. Uh, Lauren and Serena are back and oh, Jack sure is <laughs> again. It's great. But uh, they, they turn up and they're in disguise and Patrick is pretending to be like an admiral and every time someone asks him a question, he says that's a stupid question. And that's that's how they got all the way to Deep Space Nine. He's just Born a real Jellico. Yep. Nailed it. He's doing great. And he looked really nice. But then they made him get out of the outfit because they're like, you really can't show up here looking all, you know, impersonating Starfleet officers. So they're like, but good news. We have a slightly more flattering than your gray sweatshirt material outfit we have this lovely orange velour jumpsuit for you does a great job emphasizing your bitch tits thanks for thanks for coming along poor pa like seriously again as a fat person on this podcast the way that they dress him outrages me so much it's like awful anyway this is the summary we can talk about aesthetics later so anyway they show up and they're there because 
Julian, as usual, thinks he can fix everything uh, in the world. So Serena's there to have some special experimental surgery. And because what's going on, they find out, is that her brain has been genetically engineered to be working super duper fast, but the rest of her synapses aren't, like, taking in stimulus fast enough for her to do the thing. So they're gonna, like, put some nitro on the synapses so that she can keep pace. And the surgery works, of course, even though we have a false start and at first it doesn't look like it's going to work, but it does. And we have like a three hour improv doe a deer, a female deer. Oh, God. Round. (laughs) They did. They did row, row, row your boat a few times. And suddenly Serena went from sort of sounding like, uh, I don't know. Uh, and sounding a little speech impedimenty, shall we? Jack makes fun of her, but they do a couple scales, and gosh, she can she can speak right as rain and clear and beautiful. And of course, Julian wants to fuck her immediately, yes, and I he starts her. like, "Now I can fuck her." And all I could, and I said this straight up at the beginning, I was like, she's going to feel like she owes him her life. So, of uh, course, this is going to turn into a romance. and It's going to be awkward and disgusting and uncomfortable. And boy, do I hate when I'm right. So uh, he takes her on a group date and she does really well. And there's a cute moment between Odo and Norris that I really appreciated. And then, you know, Julian's like, well, you know, you're not a freak like those freaks over there. So you don't have to go back to the the institute you you can stay here with me we're gonna bone down i'm gonna take you to risa because obviously as a woman who's never ever probably like spoken to other people before and interacted with other humans you're definitely ready to go have a fuck fest on risa so let's do that that sounds great but it doesn't sound great even o'brien thinks it doesn't sound great he's like uh julian have you noticed that you fuck your patients a lot (laughs) and julian's like how dare you I transferred her care to another doctor. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't make it better. Thankfully, even though Julian is going mad with horny power, Serena withdraws and is like, I don't fucking think so. And ultimately is like, listen, I'd love to love you, I guess, but I don't know what love is because I literally just started living like, you know, 72 hours ago in any real or serious way. So I'm going to not do that. Um, But thankfully, Serena still doesn't have to go back to crazy town with the crazy crazies. She gets to go and have a job somewhere doing science or something, right? Didn't they mention that? Yeah, Julian got her a post somewhere. So that was pretty good, actually. She got the best of both worlds. She didn't have to fuck Julian, but she still got a swish position out of the deal. So A swish you know, position, you might say? A swish position, exactly. And uh, Jack, Lauren, and Patrick go back home to the Institute. We don't have, like, any farewells with them. They're just nope. gone. They're jettisoned. Jettisoned. Uh, even though they seem pretty bummed out that Serena is now, like, normal... They even touch upon like, yeah, he can't he can't do anything for us, which just makes me think of like at the end of The Wizard of Oz when, you know, Dorothy's all I don't think the wizard has anything in that bag for me. That's basically what happens with the uh, the other three. But oh, too bad. All's well that ends well, I guess. Did it end well? No, it's well. Well, well, here's the thing. It did end well in that we didn't have to like know that julian and his most recent really uncomfortable really inappropriate conquest were going to risa to have like a gang bang i think that i think that we it doesn't end with with that possibility made me feel a little better but the rest of it was awful well right before then is a scene that is i mean it's good that julian understood that what he was doing was 
epically wrong when Serena basically says, I just want to know how to love you, but I don't know how because I'm new. And I was like, oh, no, honey, stop. And then he yeah. seems to realize, oh, shit, this was my doing, which good on you, Julian, but you should have not done this days ago and not conquested the girl who, whose life you just turned out entirely upside down. And I don't even know if it was her decision to let it go at all, because I think she was just like, oh, Julian, save me. Ah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, there was like a, a lot of consent issues and a lot of like, is she even able to make this sort of decision on her own? Because again, like she hasn't been in charge of her own care ever. Who gave probably, consent right? to this surgery? Uh, the, Jack the, the, and the others. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean... Ad Admiral Patrick, clearly. <laughs> no, they, what, they, was, what was what was her like? There was like that caretaker woman, I think, that was responsible for all of their treatment uh, and stuff. Quote unquote yeah, responsible they, for their treatment, not like yeah, she but, was actually doing anything for these people. Yeah, they they mentioned that a doctor, somebody had signed off on it, and I assumed it was supposed to be that woman from the first episode with these characters. Well, wait, so somebody so there was a doctor that signed off on it, yet they still had to do like this brave little toaster adventure to get to deep space nine for the procedure. Brave little toaster. So, so I think it was, I think it was one of those things where like they got there and then after things were put into motion, Bashir reached out and was like, Hey, can I do this? Can I do this treatment? And then she, okay. okay. And the doctor was like, wait, you're telling me you might be able to turn one of those freaks normal and I only have to deal with three of them. Yeah. Wait, it's yeah, the, one that's the one that's compliant. Damn it. Space Jack. Can't the you fix Jack? <laughs> The doc, the doctor that he called was like, what do you mean? They're down in the they're down in the day room right now with Nurse, Rat Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> what? <laughs> goes, goes down there, goes down there. And there's just four paper mache dummies sitting at tables, like not moving. And they're like, how did we miss this? And Jake, I think I think you mean uh, Kai Wynn. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> My child. <laughs> it's just this episode just further muddied what anything to do with the genetically engineered in society is because it's like you know previously it was like you know normally genetically engineered folks aren't allowed to kind of do whatever but because this one has been deemed normal enough they're like okay and I mean, I think we talked about this last time, but of the four of them, the only one where there's actually, it seems like any real danger is Jack because he can get randomly violent. Not that they remembered that this episode. He's just. Well, and he would also be just as as likely to create random violence and yeah. get himself punched in the face because he's so obnoxious. That's not his fault, though. You don't I lock know someone it's not away his because fault, they're but that punchable. I understand. But I think. It's as much for his protection as anyone else's. Right, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Again, in the first episode is more implied like he was locked up because he might just get stabby. But like with Laura and Patrick, it's just like Laura's just horny, which isn't a crime as proven by the existence of Julian. And yeah, but she's a woman. No, okay, I know. Chris. I know. I said, get, I, you, you know I said the is. same thing. Yeah, Chris made the same <laughs> joke. Um, and Patrick joke. is just super naive. Probably because he's been locked away in an institute his whole life. What? But these no way so, would that be bad. So something I only fully notice now, because, you know, it's like I, I had to refresh my memory on things. So I've got like some articles up. But like they don't even have last names. 
Yeah, good point. They're the like I, I figured. I figured maybe at least in the like extended information or whatever they would have had these last names, but no. Even even the memory alpha pages, it's just Jack, Lauren, and Patrick. Serena has a last name. It's something else, but like Douglas. Well, because well, yeah, now you. she's um, now she's a, a real person, right? Exactly. So like uh, it's like wow. no, no. I mean, like, that's what it feels like. I'm pretty sure she didn't have a first. She didn't have a last name in the first episode. She literally only gets a last name because they quote unquote fix her. Do you think yeah. that like, her family like reclaimed her? Is that why? Like, <laughs> were these were these all four of them just like I don't even know like the Santa Claus is coming to town where like they just got like wicker basketed onto like the the stairs of an orphanage like nobody knows who they are <laughs> except like their first names. I mean, no I think it's I, I I think it was kind of a. I think it was intentional in some way in that, like, this is how the Federation has treated them. Like, they're they're not awarded full personhood yeah, because they're because they're genetically modified. And, and they're se- again yeah. jammed in the fucking cargo bay. That was yeah. strange. Wait, Except wait, Serena, who gets a room now. Yeah, but only because it's Julian's room, I feel like. No, she gets her own no, room. I she got her own. James, yeah. what were you saying, though? I feel like you were winding up. I feel like part of it is like, okay, they're they're not treated very well. But even when they start getting expanded on, I feel like the writers are also minimizing what they are and who they are. Yeah. Um, And I I think it does speak to like the writer's lack of empathy and sympathy with these topics. Like I think Renee Shavaria, who wrote it, has a really awful quote about how like, you know, in flowers for Algernon like when a per- when the person like goes back to being like what they were and like has that like quote unquote regression in the story yeah. about like how he was basically just like that's bullshit why should it end like that why can't you just fix people and it's like whoa okay whoa, like okay Dr. Eugenics exactly down. exactly I, and I like it's a really of, ugly it's a really ugly quote which I can dig up but I was thinking of Al- flowers for Algernon as well because I've read the book I've seen the play and I've seen the movie Charlie that's based on it and, and we so, saw the like, end degree I don't I <laughs> oh yeah yeah is that, an, is that another Star Trek episode? Yeah, it's the TNG one where the aliens make Barkley super smart. Oh, yeah, but Barkley lacks any of the purity and wholesomeness of Charlie, so I didn't think of Flowers <laughs> for Algernon with him. That <laughs> tarnishes like a- the idea. But I thought the same thing, like, when she started to sort of, like, kind of, like, go into herself and, like, not speak, I was like, oh, no, they Flowers for algernon Poor Serena, you know. Yeah, but the first time she was just fucking with Julian... Yeah, well, in the sec time, second time, it turns out she was, too, because she yeah. was just like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was That's more pretty good. Did she they, invent ghosting? <laughs> so they so they actually did an interesting fake out where, like, the, obviously, obviously, the the stereotypical plot for this would be Serena has, like, you know, her problems addressed, but then regresses and, like, goes back. So and just, there are scenes, like, at the party where she gets overstimulated and, like, it seems like that is her regressing when, in fact, it's right. just... It was a really loud party. Like yeah, I was at a really loud totally party today. Royalty yeah. I also shut down after being at a really loud party. Yeah, they wouldn't well, have to, to pay fair, royalties to the writer first. of Melora. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on, let Jake go. Sorry. I say they would have had to pay royalties to the writer of uh, Melora if they actually flowers for Algenander because yeah. that was literally the plot of that episode. Mm. Yeah, I was actually really expecting that too because it was like, wow, this is exactly like Melora all over again. And it's even more inappropriate this time. Yeah, Julian loves to make himself girlfriends out of existing girls yeah. by doing a surgery at them. It's Might it's well. a little good. 
I was to say, he might as well change his name to Dr. Chris Martin. Who? I don't, I don't get it. Oh. Is that flowers for Andre Mom? No, it's a no. cold plate joke. Oh, sorry. Oh. oh. <laughs> Wait, did Chris Ha-ha. Martin... A very high did, class of you, Jake. Ha-ha, thank you. Did Chris Martin Coldplay. build himself a girlfriend, or are you talking about Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh my no, God, ta- is Gwyneth Paltrow a robot? That would no, I'm talking about the song Fix You, because that was... That know. was a that was a stretch. stretch it, was, of a joke, it, was a, it worked in my yeah. head better than in real life. Also, it's a really pretty <coughs> song. I know it's kind of gross, but I, I love like that, that song. song. I think it's a good song. Yeah, I love I it. I think it's a good song. But yeah, so know. this Coldplay episode gets a lot of hate. I don't know. I think they're all right. Well, that's because Chris Martin was married to Gwyneth Paltrow. That's no, true. I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I don't know. I like Coldplay a lot, so I've seen them in concert. But yeah, this episode is like it's a little flowers for Algernon. It's a little Melora. There's like a scene they stole from Sleepers. Uh, it's all kinds of unoriginal. You know what was really tight? You know what the best part of this episode was? When Esri was like, you're an arrogant piece of shit like usual. You want me to, you're, oh, you're beating yourself up? You want me to help you? You want me to help you, Julian? You fucking arrogant jerk. Oh, let's talk about the fact that you're fucking your patient, you creep. I guess that hadn't happened yet. But I liked when Esri, I'm sure that... Uh, she was channeling a little Jadzia there. A little bit. And also, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that this that this Dax has just we don't have we don't have five seasons for her to get to the point of being able to tell him when he's being a little bitch. So we just episode five. She's there. She's well, like she, ready. She yeah. remembered the time Jedzia did it on the plague planet. Yeah. So Ezra is still a terrible counselor, though. So my question is, who's worse, her or Troy? Well, she just isn't involved, really. Like. The whole time, like the whole there's at the beginning when they first kind of regains consciousness or, or you know whatever you want to say she's she's gotten Esri's kind of there and hanging out and advising and but then she disapp- she you know she fucks off for the rest of the episode and Esri just like never therapizes yeah but, you know, i think she would be involved well julian's got it no he's Got it well in hand. But to ask you to answer your question as to who is worse, I think in a way Ezri is worse because we've already seen how great Dax can be. And now we sort of have a shadow of her. And normally I would say she's probably on par with Troy, maybe. But knowing that she's a shadow of her former self just makes her less good, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree that Ezri is not as good as Council because we've seen Troy at least help so far only we've only seen esri flail and not know what to do next and then blame herself and then somehow turn the therapizing into a thing about her because she's uncomfortable i mean she somehow accidentally helped garrick like that she doesn't backed count. It, she Garrett backed did most into of the work. <laughs> yeah it's gonna say it doesn't count because she was being like let me like let me push my problem onto you. And it just kind of like happened to work out that it was similar, but she wasn't really helping Garrick. She was helping herself and he kind of got some of the like, what do you call it? Peripheral assistance, sort of. I mean, I bet you she more than anybody else was very happy that uh, this thing was working out because it meant that at least for a couple of days, Julian wasn't sniffing her seats. No, <laughs> Christ! Uh. No, it's it's true though. He's 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 regressed big time ever since I don't know, the end of season six when it was like, oh, 
Worf and Jedzia are getting married. Suddenly we're really all up in Jedzia's shit again. Ugh. Yeah, I really hated that at the end, it felt like the implication was that we should feel bad for Julian because he doesn't get a fuck puppet. And yeah, yeah uh... I really, I really, I feel good because it means Serena gets to explore new things in her life. I mean, that's how you should be feeling, not, yeah. oh, look at Julian being sad that a girl is leaving. Yeah, it's uh, someone, like, someone who he only who he only knew for like seventy two hours, only knew because he was performing medical procedures on her. Like, yeah, it's 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 just so gross. It's like we don't need more gross Julian, and this is no. just peak peak gross Julian. This is super gross. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Like, like the idea of exploring his isolation from other people because of what was done to him. Could be good, but this wasn't the way to do it. Well, but that is also isn't I don't really feel like that's the isolation anyway. The isolation he was feeling is the same isolation that like any single person among married and not single friends might feel like he feels isolated because he like suddenly Miles, wife is around and because he like couldn't crash an obvious date for Kira and Odo. Garrick should have been around. That's true. Decoding. He's t- dating somebody else. But as we they, they <laughs> tried to imply or talk about the fact that like some of his loneliness is due to this weird sort of separation from larger society. Really? Like, that was the point? That, I that didn't was get part that at all. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. It was mostly just like, uh, oh, all my friends have boyfriends and girlfriends. Well, yeah, but then he starts yeah. waxing poetic about how like, you know. They they can click on a level because they're both super smart and shit. And the 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 romantic angle is absolutely there, but that's a that's a lacking in that there are never like non sexual close relationships in these shows. Yeah. Like the closest mm. we have is Julian and Miles. Like that is a incredibly close non sexual relationship, and that's like the only one. Cisco and all the other ones that just yeah, pair off. Cisco and Jadzia. Except in the mirror universe. In the mirror universe, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, um, but it's yeah. just so rare that it winds up being whenever you want to show someone being lonely, it's always against other people and their romantic partners. Mm. Yeah, like it should have just been. I don't know what it should have been, but again, the idea of him exploring his sense of isolation would have been interesting. Because I mean, previously, when he felt this mm. way, he couldn't talk about it because no one knew his deep, dark secret. But now that it's out in the open, you know, again, yeah, if they had found a better way to explore it, it could have been an interesting idea. Also, they have a counselor on the ship now. Do they? I'm told. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, you shouldn't be, like, friends with your therapist, though. That kind of true. Plus he wants to bang her. Yeah, I was gonna say, plus he wants to fuck his therapist, so he'd have the same problems, except even worse there. Yeah, and plus that would be an extra shade of weirdness, because he's like, I wanted to bang Jadzia, and she's like, I know. <laughs> she was into it, by the way. Yeah. Wink. Fucking Star Trek. Sometimes. You were second choice. Yeah. Wink. <laughs> Speaking of second choices, like the episode really didn't know what to do with the other three once uh, the plot got going. It no. was like they were like, <laughs> if we're gonna have her, we have to have the other three, but they didn't actually know what to do with them. 
I don't know. It I, seems I, to me they knew exactly what to do with them. They were going to send them on this. The world is going to start collapsing in on itself in 60 to 70 trillion I, years. I was I, waiting for that to happen. I actually did kind of like that that wound up happening where like basically their entire subplot is them realizing that, oh, my God, entropy will destroy the universe in many trillions of years. We have to solve this. And Jack. like they come they come up with a solution that involves like a ridiculous amount of subspace generators. But like, Jack uh, finally read uh, Arcadia, apparently. But like, but again, you know, this is also these these interesting characters that deserve some respect being disrespected by like, you know, not being given last names. We don't get to say goodbye to them and we yeah, never and see plus, them again. They, they literally of disappear them, off screen. Each of them literally has one personality quirk. And that's all they have. Laura yeah, is Jack, nothing Jack has but two. slutty. Oh, Jack has two. What are the two? One, the one is, you know, so creepy, weird, and ha ha ha. And then the second one is, does running, jumping somersaults over things? <laughs> yes, that's true. That was a bad cut too. Nobody showed Real him bad. the Matrix. Yeah, he's, that, a, that he's just physically angsty. That's all. Just yeah, that was very just obviously, very obviously a stunt double. You know, what also was obviously a stunt double was he was the only one whom they had to dub for the song. And it oh, what song was it? What song was great. that? Do re mi fa sol la ti do. Do re mi fa sol la ti do. Re mi fa sol. Do re mi. Do re mi fa. She can talk. Do re mi. She can talk. 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 I can sing. I. See, I didn't notice that because oh, I was I too heard busy. It right away, I was like, "Ooh, that's not right. That's not." I was voice. too busy yeah, noticing he was, he was dubbed. How badly they fucked up the foley when? Uh, oh, Bashir was applauding. First time. Oh, it shit. is not even remotely in sync. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's like, it's like his hands go together. Three seconds later, you hear the clap. Oh no! It's it's the it is so fucking baby town frolics. Yeah, so how long was that scene? That was a very long song. Oh, like two God. I think 25 minutes. I read the two minutes, but that's still that's too like long for way that. too much. It's very long. It would have been too much if they had just done three sets of scales, but then they were like, oh, you know. Let's do a round. Do, re, me. Do, me. Fucking that bitch Renee was hitting high notes and shit. It was amazing. Yeah. And fucking Renee Echeverria says, that is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek. That guy, man. Who is this man? Renee, needs to man. Be Jesus shot Christ. Shot out of a cannon. I, I feel think like... I, I found myself praying for Vic to walk in. No! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> that he was like, hey, swing it, baby. At least it'd be words. Ray me. Like, that I would have been amazing. Could they not get the rights to the rain in Spain? Because it feels like that's what they wanted that scene <laughs> By to be. George, I think she's gone. Like, that's what it's supposed to be, basically, you know? Ah, uh, you're right. I hate it. And I was kind of bummed because I literally, like, right before that scene happened, I was remarking. I was like, wow, they're doing a really... She is doing, as an actress, a really good job of sounding like someone who has never heard herself really talk before. Yeah. I you know. Yeah. I was like, this is great. And then, and then it was. Jack had to come in and shit on her and be like, oh, <laughs> you talk like a fucking way? idiot. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> Let's sing a song about it. Fucking Jack. God, I hate uh, him Jack so much. Ass, I hate him too. Right? That's his last name. His last name is Ass. We've hey. given him a last name. Congratulations, Jack. You're a full man. You're a real so, boy. So something I definitely didn't realize at the time in Serena's uh, actress. Um, and I don't think we mentioned it the first episode. Faith Saley is like a regular on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, oh I yeah. didn't know that. I know. Yeah, yeah. She's a genius. She's yeah. really fucking smart. Yeah, she's smart and oh, like incredibly funny. Was. And like I had no I, was, I saw the name and I was like, like, that's really familiar. Why is that familiar? I was like, oh my God. Like I've heard her on the radio dozens and dozens of times. Oh, that's cool. I remarked to Chris that uh, you know, at least when she got her whole family together this time, they actually got to see her speak. So that was mm. must have been yeah. a plus for her. Unlike last time, where she was like, "Here comes my big scene," and they cut Aww. all my dialogue. Yeah, what's absolutely like, I what's absolutely a thing that happened this episode because of course it did was they basically because they cut her her line in the previous episode, and because that means they didn't know what it would really sound like when she talks in this episode. She basically had to re-audition for a role she already had. Oh my god, that's bullshit. Luckily, she's good, so it was fine. Uh, But still, it's such a strange thing that she had to come in and re-audition since she hadn't had any lines previously. Like, I just feel like it would have been more distracting to have a whole new actor. Oh, they do that all the time. I know, and it's distracting. if If the other three were the same... Yeah, I was well, gonna say was... I don't think I would have noticed that she had changed as long as the other three were all the same person. Oh, yeah, like Zialdo at least has the benefit of being under a shitload of makeup. Hmm. This would have been as distracting the... as like the time Kirstie Alley turned into Robin Curtis. Hmm. Well, unless they got a better actress, and then it wouldn't have been at least quite so bad. <laughs> well, you know, Robin Curtis may be the worst actress, but she's not a conspiracy theory Trumpist, so. I like her better now. So, well, so fine. win. She wins. They need to go a... back and like digitally replace Kirstie Alley with her. With Tignataro? But just keep Kirstie Alley's voice. <gasps> no, no, replace her with Tignataro. Tignataro. Can we replace me with Tignataro, please? I can't imagine Tignataro as a Vulcan. Yeah, no, there's too much snark. On the one hand, James, I love the idea, but I don't want to replace you with Tignataro. I know, Me but it would hand. still be why an improvement. Are we, why are we specifically and I'm not, I'm not knocking with, myself. With Tig? Oh, Tig uh, because, Nataro um, is in a... Go ahead. So, Army of the Dead, after they finished filming, one of the cast, some guy whose name escapes me, was accused of some pretty heinous sexual shit. So, they digitally removed him from the whole movie, put Tig Nataro in a room with a green screen, and digitally pasted her where he had been. Like, she literally never actually met her co-stars for this movie because she filmed her part ages later in a studio. And all and the pictures makes her make her look awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah no, like no, seeing the seeing the yeah. advertisements for that. I was like, oh, and there goes my bisexuality taking a hard gay turn. Like, <laughs> I have no interest in the film because one, it's a zombie movie. I'm not into zombie movies. And it's a Zack Snyder zombie movie. But... Every photo of Tignataro from it is fucking amazing. What is with fucking Zack Snyder movies and replacing things in post with CG? Because didn't they do the same thing with a mustache? No, yeah. that no, was. That was so that would happen. So what happened was, but it's not CG. It's a real Tignataro. When they <laughs> she's a digi- she's 
The other guy is a mustache. When when Snyder either quit or was fired from either way, when he left Justice Sny- League initially. Snyder left for family reasons, basically. Yeah. And then they replaced him with scumbag Joss Whedon. And uh, they needed to do some reshoots. And by then, Henry Cavill had grown a mustache for a different movie. Mission Impossible. Yeah. And Paramount was petty about it and wouldn't let him shave it. So they had to digitally remove his mustache from all the scenes he reshot. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. Everything about that so fucking movie was a it's nightmare. it's not Zack Snyder at all. Yeah, no, no the second, the first time no, it was Zach, Zach. Zack Snyder did do a whole bunch of film compositing for the uh, Justice League reshoots, however. Yeah. Um, this, so this, he has a lot of cut. experience doing that kind of work. Yeah. Um, I will give my five second Army of the Dead review. I really liked it. Zack Snyder, when he's not trying to be serious, can actually be fun. And that's way better than when he does any of the DC superhero stuff, because for some reason he treats zombies fun and superheroes real serious. Did you just he, call him Snack Snyder? Because maybe not, I hope I did. That's what I'm going to call him from now snack, on snack, good old snack, zach, zider. zach the snack snyder snack speaking of replacing things that are sexual predators they had to reshoot the kiss between julian and serena because bashir looked too predatory I, was, I, thought, I thought because she literally threw up into his mouth. That's what I thought <laughs> she was gonna say actually i literally was like and, he, and they barfed okay <laughs> So I'm glad that, uh, like, on the one hand, they were able to distinguish one moment when Julian looked like a a predator, and I applaud them for that. But, like, the entire episode, Julian looked like a, a, uh, not a pedophile, sorry, a predator. So, well, kind of. She does seem to be a lot younger than It's not just that, it's. Again, it's, it's yeah, she's that mentally she's, fresh. Yeah, right. She's spent her whole life in an institute and literally not speaking, interacting with other humans. Well, so, like, so there is there is some like it's like great. She so regardless of everything, she like right after that kind of surgery, you are incredibly vulnerable. That is not an OK time to pursue a person. Absolutely. Um, but part of my issue with it is right is the whole thing is like this is, quote unquote, fixing her. But she has a relationship and interactions with the other with the three other characters. She's with, to be like, in love like, with Jack. And we've yeah, got Jack, that. Serena I mean, and Patrick, God? like they talk to her and there is a communication there. Like they're not like they don't seem to just be making up responses like they're kind of like, no, Serena came up with that. Like you can't understand her, but we who have been friends with her for for decades can. So she actually does have in a bill like there there is an inner life there that's yeah. you know but that that like they they flip-flop in how they discuss it because like the characters interact with her and genuinely do it but then they're also but then you know julian's also kind of like you know it's like well she's never had any interaction with anybody ever it's like it's it's, yeah, it's very like at this, odds it's like this episode they just kind of rewrote the character because as i said last time we discussed her character she's not one in this episode they decided okay whitewash or just white paint over all of that we're gonna start over she can't talk at all and no one's ever talked to her in her fucking life she can't respond and communicate with people let's fix that and then build a character around it well and it's interesting too because this is sort of how people like on the autism spectrum sort of get painted sometimes if they're not able to communicate the way we want them to and it has a lot to do with overstimulation like that's kind of the whole thing about people on the spectrum is that they basically is and not all people i'm not speaking generally but what i've heard from people is it's like 
the volume is up on the television at like 99 all the time and you can't turn it down. So you're being constantly bombarded by stimulus from all sides. And that's why it's difficult. I had the actually had the pleasure of working with someone who wasn't able to to speak on his own. He had communication aids. But he was brilliantly intelligent. And if it weren't for people working with him and finding the way that he could communicate, they might never have known. But it's it's like this idea that, you know, oh, well, if you can't if you can't talk, then you're obviously not thinking. But in reality, there are ways that you can find to communicate with folks just because it's not what you're used to, you know? Yeah. So so that's the biggest problem, I feel, with this episode, because like so. So, you know, as someone who has like, you know, some autistic friends who have had experiences like this. And and I, I think it was I think it was accidental, but like this is it appears to be a pretty good representation explanation of, you know, certain, you know, autism symptoms and and like, you know, characteristics. And like there's like you you don't need to fix somebody. No necessarily there's way there's things that like you can work with and alleviate like some of the frustration and like the harder parts of it but like they don't need to need to be fixed in order to fit into what society says is someone of value because that's that's ultimately what this episode wound up doing is that is that serena wasn't wasn't a worthwhile person and wasn't a worthwhile thing to exist until she was fixed when as you said like like serena is someone that like absolutely with communication aids you could have gotten there you know it's it's literally like it literally there's almost no difference between like what serena was going through and and hawking like you know if it weren't for the communication aids you wouldn't be able to communicate with with stephen hawking one of the most brilliant people of our generation yeah. Well, previous generation of our lifetime, you know, and it's it basically says it's the way the episode presents it is that, you know, what would have been way, 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 way better is if you could have just fixed him. And Ugh. that's not a great yeah. attitude. No, yeah, there's, there's something very dystopian about how the Federation treats. The different. Yeah. Also, you know, to me, to my mind, like a better thing to do you know all right so you're 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 all better now by our metrics so we're gonna send you off to be a scientist i guess you know never mind that this has been your family for however long like you think if anything you keep her with them and now that she'd actually get like a modicum of respect from the rest of the world she could be their um advocate more you know right well they don't want anyone to advocate for these people i'm saying the the way that the way that the the genetically augmented were portrayed in the first episode is they were basically in the institute because they were modified not because not because things went wrong it it just seems to be that things going wrong is the norm when it comes to people being genetically augmented particularly to this degree and so at the end they're just kind of like oh serena's normal or whatever this genetically modified person super illegal and we're literally terrified of them yeah she could just do whatever yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's whether they whatever they were going for with these episodes, that is what the interpretation becomes. And it really does add a very sinister layer to everything. I don't know. I still want Jack's based. I will say oh, so. So my last thing, personally, this is the quote from earlier that I that I had mentioned where it was. Uh, 
so I guess there was discussions about how it ended, like the original ending was going to be having was actually going to have Jack and Jack was going to re- regress, you know, revert to the previous uh, aspects. And there was some issues in the writer room. And according to Echevarria, it boiled down to the fact that it was a tragedy that this guy becomes normal, which kind of glamorizes mental illness. That's a very common sort of Hollywood story. Oh, aren't they cute? Don't rob them of their originality and make them normal, which is bull, which is just a really gross quote. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty rotten. Also, I think if it had been Jack, the makeout scenes would have been a lot Hotter. better, probably. <laughs> it would have been too progressive for for the uh for Paramount. Yeah. That's the thing. They're like they're sitting around the writers and like, okay, so we're gonna make you know, so, so we're gonna have Julian fix Jack, make Jack a normal person. How do they fuck? How do nah. we get them to fuck? And Berman walked in and said, nope. Well, he walked in first and only heard the end of it. And he's like, ah, two of our characters are going to be doing it, huh? You're like, uh, Were those two characters now, since that didn't work out, were the two characters going to be Lauren and Nog? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God, that's right. I forgot about that. That was so creepy. I have no problem with, like, sexually liberated Lauren, who's just brilliant and also likes to have sex. That's cool. Whatever. But, like, her weird fixation on Nog, who's, like, isn't isn't he, like, supposed to only be, like, 17 or something at this point? Is he even 18? No, no. He's probably, like, 20 or so, right? Uh, he and Jake are of an age, right? Plus, he's a Ferengi, so we don't know True. Yeah, how they like, age. Here's the, he's it would have been better if they'd had some scenes together and maybe he was into it, you know? Yeah. Watch Nog go on some dates and be awkward. That would, that would actually, that would have been, can, oh my God, can you see, it would have been nice if in the B plot they had maybe treated the other three like actual characters. Like that would have yeah. been pretty fun. Like, yeah, you, you totally could have done. It could have been like, he goes to Jake and he's like, Jake, I have a date. And the last time I went on a date with a human, I fucking blew it because I'm a Ferengi. I need you to help. <laughs> but this time I'll listen. <laughs> Yeah, but and then this time Lauren's <laughs> totally into everything that he wants because Lauren will do whatever for sex. I can't, it would be awesome if like Nog was like, I got to go on this date. And but we don't know who the date is with until like the end of the episode. And it turns out it's with Lauren. I would have like, loved to have seen that. No, the, the very end of the episode is like, like, where did where did uh, Jack and company go? Oh, well, they left on the last transport and Julian goes back to sick bay and he's getting everything together and and Nog kind of like stumbles in and his 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 headdress thing is on backwards his headdress is on backwards he's like he's like he's got a broken pelvis and just (laughs) do you want me to fix that no (laughs) do do you want me to fix that it's like no the pain is giving me happy memories i'm never watching washing this pelvis again his his ears are just bright red and bleeding (laughs) oh no wow Oh, God. Speaking of ears, we learned something fascinating about ears in the next one. Mm. Was that a a segue? Is that a segue you were trying to do? Segwish to me. Are you guys ready to segue into the next episode? Let's seg it up. All right. Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. So we get the, we'll just get the B plot out of the way real quick. So the Great River part is that Cisco is away, and while Cisco's away, he needs O'Brien to get, I don't know, self-sealing stem bolts he needs something he needs something and he needs it by the time he gets back and he better get it the problem is that item is back ordered on amazon so they decide to go the old-fashioned route and they send nog out and nog makes friends and 
sets up all kinds of trades and he's able to get, you know, what he what they need. By doing it, though, he pisses off everybody of any note that can kick his and or Smiley O'Brien's ass on Deep Space Nine. He first steals uh, Cisco's desk, which pisses off Norris. Then he steals a whole shitload of blood wine, which I mean, pisses off everybody. The entire Klingon Empire is up in arms, but mostly Martok and Worf because, you know, Martok was going to share with him. But at the end of the day, uh, even though everyone's threatening to kill O'Brien, uh, Nog manages to get the the item that they, they needed and Cisco's desk back and the blood wine. It's not the exact blood wine. It's an even better vintage. So everybody, everybody gets gets what they want. And O'Brien doesn't die. So really get him later. a better week for <laughs> Miles O'Brien just in general. And Nog is adorable and gives us lots and lots of good <laughs> Nog laughs, which are my favorites. So that's like the B plot, and it's really cute and fun. And without like being, I have thoughts for later. Sometimes it's I just feel like fun. they're really tonally shitty and awful. And this one I felt like was all right. So what's meanwhile though, the real meat of the episode is that Odo gets a transmission that his Cardassian deep throat buddy is trying to reach out to him to give him some more state secrets. And Odo's like, I don't know, he allegedly died. It's probably a trap. And uh, Kira's like, yep, probably a trap. Definitely a trap. Want me to go with you? No, he told me to come alone. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, absolutely a trap. So Odo turns up by himself at the creepy, beautiful eye lighting uh, cave where he and Deep Throat hang out on Cardassia. And wouldn't you know it, his buddy doesn't show up, but Wayun shows up. But it's not our Wayun, or at least it's not the Wayun we know. Apparently the Wayun we know died a month ago in a transporter accident. Or was that, it an accident? Well, no, it wasn't an accident. DeMar did it. Absolutely. But uh, Excellent. And they're working on that. But that said, this is actually Wayun number six. And Wayun number six is according to Wayu number seven, <gasps> what uh, a re like a reject or defective way yep all the way down all the way down it's Wayuns and he's like well I told you it was this other guy because I really needed to see you but I want to defect from the Dominion let's go right now and Odo's like uh. Okay, so they take off back to Deep Space Nine, but they're soon contacted by Wayun Seven and Damar. And at first, I was like, "Oh no, is he a shapeshifter?" I because I had kind of thought, like, "Is this just is this just Lady Shapeshifter yeah. like fucking with him?" Nope, it was in fact a actual official trademarked Wayun clone, but again, a broken one. Uh, well, quote unquote broken. I actually think he gives us some interesting information. He's like, yeah, the war was supposed to be over months ago. Like, we also find out that the shapeshifters are sick. There's an illness spreading through the link. And luckily for Odo, since he's not sticking his dick in that link anymore, he is not sick. But it sounds like everybody else is. So we play a game of like cat and mouse, hide and seek, whatever you want to call it, with several Jem'Hadar ships because Damar and Wayun 7 decide like, well... Odo's not really a founder. I mean, he is, but he doesn't consider himself a founder. And if he doesn't consider himself a founder, why should we? And we don't have to tell the Gem Hadar that there's a founder on that ship. We'll just uh, shoot him down. It'll be fine. Or, you know, if if the you know if that doesn't work, well, you in six, if you want to just go ahead and activate your cyanide capsule that's built in at the base of your brain and kill yourself, we'll let him go. You know, we'll let Odo go then. But, you know, otherwise, we're just going to kill you. 
And they actually manage to get away from the first Jem'Hadar ship because Wei-Yoon gives Oda the secret to destroying the fuck out of their ships really easily, which if we get nothing else from this episode in terms of intelligence from the other side, I would say that's a pretty good one. Shoot at the dorsal, whatever the fuck, it'll blow up the ship. Pretty good. Uh, They wind up playing hide and seek in a Kuiper belt full of asteroids and ice. And ultimately, though, they are found and Wei-Yoon-6 sacrifices his life to save Odo and uh, at the end is like begging Odo for his blessing and Odo begrudgingly grants his blessing to to Wei-Yoon-6, who dies happily in his arms, believing all's right in the world with him and his gods. And then Odo and Nerys discuss it at home and Nerys is like, actually, that's pretty cool for that guy. I feel like that's the perfect way to go if you got to go. End. Embraced by Odo. Mm-hmm. That's how I want to go. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that was basically it. Yeah, I, it was It yeah. was definitely a... I, I liked this episode. Yeah, it had lots of Jeffrey Combs, which I like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Double the start, Jeffrey Combs. I'm going to start by saying the the... Issues, I have some issues with the B story. Okay. The first and possibly main issue I have with the B story is that they've done this twice already. This whole Mm. Milo Minder Binder, Nog running around gathering things for people and pulling deals. Doing side quests. Yeah, because they did that in progress when they got the self-stealing stem bolts and all the other things. And they did that in, in the cards when they got all those things to get the baseball cards. So it's like, yeah. we're doing the same thing yeah, we've done. That's right. And, it's the, and there's nothing new about it. And it also oh, no. got, to the, it got to the point in this episode where it was getting so repetitive. It wasn't building. It was just repeating. Oh, another thing. Oh, check Miles' log. It was Miles' signature. Oh, Nog. Like, I swear, three times. So... Yep. Yeah, so I think I think that's absolutely right, absolutely valid. I think I think that this version of it is a better example than the earlier episode with the self-stealing stem bolts and it's it's kind of unfortunate that that this is that this is a rehash instead of like the original way that, you know, like the material continuum is kind of explained and explored because yeah, I, okay. I think this explores it better and it's more fun. Although it is, it not only is it kind of steady repetitive in this episode, it is also a rehash. And those two combined is is really unfortunate. Yeah, I also um, think the self-stealing stem... Oh, oh, fuck my life. Self-stealing <laughs> stem bolts. <laughs> the, the that. Uh, I felt like that episode, it built. Like every time they did a new thing, it was like more and more like emotion put into okay well what's the next thing there's another thing oh god this time it just felt like and then true. we do it again true and, and then yeah. we do it again and yeah, and in the original know. episode the stakes were literally bigger each time because they kept getting these like ridiculous deals until they had like ten thousand acres of land <laughs> yeah in this one though i don't know i i think i think the difference for me is that this one was not a nog has an adventure story it was a O'Brien gets tortured story. True. <laughs> True. Which, you know, neither the- of which are an original thing, but I like the fact that, you know, it was kind of, it was the, it was the same plot, but told from O'Brien's perspective as a victim of this <laughs> yeah. thing. 
I loved I loved the quote where it was O'Brien and Nog talking and like the the dialogue is real snappy and instant where O'Brien says, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And Nog says, chief, I can't operate under those kinds of restrictions. Yeah. And he doesn't say it as a joke. He's just like literally like I can't I have to do things you wouldn't do or this isn't going to happen. It is interesting to see him do Ferengi stuff in the line of duty this yeah, time. That I, that's, I did like that. Yeah, that's, that's the difference. It's, it's interesting, you know, like, I mean... I, you know, I didn't think about this, Ames, but Milo Minderbinder is a perfect comparison. And clearly there is no Starfleet version of that character because no is, one who is, is Milo. Who's that? Uh, he is a supply chain guy in Catch-22. Yeah, we discussed him when we discussed the stem bolt. Did we? Uh, I'd forgotten. But yeah, now that he's Starfleet, it's even more apt. And uh, I do like the idea that. He sort of becomes the Starfleet Wheeler. He'd be a great quartermaster. He could probably get mm. shit moving along, you know? That's it's, a problem. Be- I, I do think it's kind of funny that, like, O'Brien apparently has literally never heard of the idea of get on the good side of the person who's in charge of your materials. Mm. Like O'Brien can't get on people's good side. He could at least try. I don't know. Like, he didn't even want to admit that he and Julian were best friends in the last episode. He's not a... I mean, I think it makes sense. They kind of justify it. As he doesn't have the time to schmooze with some guy who doesn't even work on his station. That's oh, yeah, they keep him very busy. Yeah, yeah. Space Nine really, is constantly about to explode. Yeah, it's always yeah. on fire. Like <laughs> So, like, that, I guess, makes enough sense. You know, the idea that's like, Nog can be like, let, let me handle the schmoozing. Yeah. Yeah, and he I would be really, and he would be really good at it. Yeah. Um, I also think it was funny that, like, apparently they never change authorization codes because at the mm. very beginning, O'Brien gives Nog authorization codes. O'Brien gets in trouble once and he's like, oh, I really shouldn't have given him my codes because apparently those are his codes for the rest of his life. Now Nog yeah. can just get, for Nog can just say O'Brien's doing stuff for the rest of eternity because those codes yeah. are never changing. Well, O'Brien like never. It's, like, uh, it's yeah. like that guy who was like. I'm going to post my social security number on the internet because I know you can't steal it. And it was like, LOL, dog's here. Sorry. (laughs) That was, it was even better. That guy was, that guy was the president of a security company that was supposed to be able to secure your identity. And he was like, see, you won't be able to do it. And then he lost, like his identity was stolen like the next day. Eight seconds later. Several times, I think. Hugh Jackman was uh, on the case, hacking, hacking in. I suppose we should round out the B plot if there's anything else to say about it. Um, I loved the little tiny desk oh, that yeah. O'Brien was going to replace Cisco's with. Yeah, so there was there was a weird there was a weird guy who likes to have pictures of him behind the desks of famous captains, and so he I sneaks he yeah, sneaks into captains' rooms to take pics to take selfies at like Picard's desk and stuff. Feels like that weird collector guy, doesn't it? Kind of. Who like wanted to have like data? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that. I mean, I mean, I guess in a in a post scarcity world, like literally, these are the only things of value are the things that people just want for whatever reason that have a sentimental attachment to it. So in in a post scarcity world, that is something you could actually use for trade. That or Bob's mustache <laughs> from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I collect trophies. Oh, that's pathetic. Um, making Bob's Burgers references. Yep. Oh, the other the other thing the B plot came up with that uh, is terrifying for me is that apparently Ferengi ears molt off. Oh yeah, that, yes, that was my segue. That's horrifying. 
Yeah, yeah, because he says something like, oh, we learn about the, the great continuum before, before while we still we... have our first pair of ears. Well, and so my question was, is it like baby teeth where a bigger pair of ears grows out and pushes off those ears? Or because if you look at the Ferengi ear, you can almost distinguish where there's like another set of lobes in there. <laughs> like so the rings could... of a tree? <laughs> yeah, no, like, but seriously, like, I don't know, right? Like... With humans, the only two things in your body that keep growing are like your nose and your ears. So, and, and the Nagus has big fucking huge droopy old man lobes. So maybe that is how it works. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think it's like antlers where they just flop off and then new ones grow in in the yeah. spring. <laughs> that I is... kind of want to imagine that the ears fall off and like parents keep them. Oh, like, God. Like, oh, this is, yeah, this is my like little baby's fairy. first set of ears. Oh, gross. Oh, like, you put know. them into scrapbooks or bronze them or something. You know Moogie has all of Rom's ears bronze. People put them into... Uh, remember a few years ago when, like... I don't even know what it was. Like, literally, like, cells from, like circumcisions were being put into some face cream or other that like celebrities were super into Dear is it God. like that do no. they is it like ferengi goop they put no. uh they put ears baby ears into or maybe it's uh maybe it's like uh what the fuck is saru what's his oh his ganglia Kel- he's a kelpian kelpian yeah maybe it's like kelpian ganglia it just makes really good soup you have shark fin soup, you got Kelpie and ganglion soup, you got Ferengi baby lobe soup. It'd be a delicacy. Gross. Sounds Let's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. That's a line I could have lived without. Sorry. No, no, I mean, just you didn't write the line. Which one? About the ears. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. But yeah, I prefer my idea that it's like the rings of trees rather than just flopping off. Because if it's like baby teeth, what if you only lose one? What if you've got only one big ear or I a mean, small ear? I, I had baby teeth that were stuck in, so they would just surgically remove the ears. Like my teeth were removed. I also oh, yeah. had, t- I had, I also had like two extra teeth up in the top of my mouth. So I had I had additional teeth and I had baby teeth that weren't moving. So I had like a shark. I had eight teeth pulled in one sitting. Yeah, dude, the the thing about the human skull is horrifying because you're born with your adult teeth already up there. So if you're a kid and you have an x-ray done, it's just, again, teeth all the way fucking down because there's (laughs) the big teeth are already down there just waiting to spring up. It's horrifying. Yeah, I know people used to get get upset. I know when, like, I feel like when they used to, if if uh, their baby or their their young child-shaped thing sadly died and had to be cremated and they'd come back with a with a thing of ashes full of adult teeth they'd be like this isn't my baby and they'd be like but wait oh this is uncomfortable all of this is uncomfortable Ooh, that is Ugh. uncomfortable yikes well, yeah now they, now they pulverize cremains so that you can't find teeth in them because that was just disturbing in general but also why were people poking through the remains put it in an urn like a normal person don't be moving around in it mm-hmm. Well, you I guess if you go curious? scatter them and you scatter uh, a bunch of teeth, that'd be Oh, no, up. that'd be so bad. That would really ruin a moment. Yes, it would. Good. Cool. Well, I'm glad they don't do Speaking that shit Speaking of anymore. remains, what do you suppose they do with X-Wayunes? Soup. Mmm, with mm. the ganglia. They probably, like, s- s- turn them into a slurry and feed them to the newly born the, Wayun. Yeah, the mm. other Wayuns <laughs> to grant them power. If yes. they have the body. So I wonder how... So in the last like 
four years, there have been four Wayunes now. Because yeah. there was Wayun four, who was yeah, the one that was Jem killed Hadar. by the Jem Hadar. There was yep. Wayun five, who we saw through most of Deep Space Nine, and now we have Wayun six and seven. Mm-hmm. So if I wonder how old the Wayun line is that we only got to four and then we've just like the, like what is the typical lifespan of a Wayun? Like really really at this question. point, it's like well, it's the average it's very, is going yeah. down fast. Well, right. Yeah, but I wonder <laughs> if prior was not alive long. Like prior to meeting Benjamin Sisko, the Wayuns <laughs> could have had you know long lived. You know, we don't know how long a Vorta lives naturally, but I feel like it's probably, yeah, I feel like it's probably like they come out as a, as an adult, probably like equivalent of a 20 year old. They probably got another 60 to 80 years after that. They're not used to going through Wayunes this fast. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lived even longer if only because one, they're genetically engineered and two, like the way Wayun talks about himself, they are a long and well-respected line. There hasn't been a defective, you know, the Wayun line hasn't yeah. had a defective clone. So I feel like Wayun's one through three at least probably got to live out whatever the natural lifespan is for Avorta, and it's probably kind of decent. Well, and the hmm. Dominion has had, apparently not had to put up much of a fight with anybody else except these very tenacious human beings. Yeah. Yeah, and like yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah no one was challenging them in the Gamma Quadrant. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, it took. Yeah, it's like needless it to say. Yeah, it took the Alpha Quadrant kind of getting together, being like, "All right, all right, fine." To, that's to, what it is. The, the the female changeling just has such a soft spot for Wayun that when she found out that Wayun Four got killed on a joint mission with Ben Sisko, she she swore revenge on all the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> I know I would have. I mean, she I'd fucking trust the Wayunes well enough to tell them that they're dying. Hmm. Which you think that's a thing you'd keep under wraps? Well, it was yeah. pretty clear I was when, say, when she when wasn't she, doing a great yeah, job. Hiding she wasn't it, looking was she? great. Yeah did did she tell him or did he figure it out? No, she he said she outright told him. Oh okay. I, I mean, at the very least, God. No no no. Well, what she could have done though has been like, I'm not well. Not been like the whole Great Link is dying. <laughs> Like, Jesus, why you think you try to keep that under wraps? But again, they must really trust the way you had yeah, some I was gonna bad say. Yarmok sauce. So one thing I really like about this episode is that it kind of goes into, like, the rules of mm. of the Dominion and, like, the Jem'Hadar and the Wayunes. And it's kind of interesting. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of, like, I, the iRobot stories where Asimov would kind of go into, like, okay, you've got these, you've got these rules. And then all of the stories are about how that breaks down and and how like conflict arises from that. And a lot of a lot of this episode is kind of dealing with that where Wayun Six defects because he decides that Odo is the founders and the Wayun like the Wayun directives are you are wholly subservient to the gods, the founders. And yeah. if they're getting sick, then that means that they're going to die. So Odo is the continuation of the founders. He's the true founders. Yeah. And you have Wayun seven who has, well, thanks to Damar goes the other goes the opposite way where he decides, oh, 
Odo has rejected being a founder, therefore he no longer is a founder, so we can do whatever we want to him. It's not. It's no longer against the my programming to kill Odo because he is not a founder. Yeah, yeah. until and then, Damar throws him down an elevator shaft. Right. <laughs> well, and I also love how, like, when they're talking about it, you know, Wei-Yun is like, okay, I'm on board, but the Jem'Hadar, who are even more programmed, will not fire on the ship if they know that Odo is on it. And he's like, well, that idea is out, you know, out the window. And Damar looks at him and says, like, well, do the Jem'Hadar have to know He's on the ship. And Wayun's like, holy shit, you're right. We could lie. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Because for whatever reason, like the Wayuns don't really lie about anything. They like don't have to. Right. They, they don't know how. Yeah, it's like usually usually they just roll up on a place and they're like, we're going to take you over. So you can either fight right now or you can roll over. And yeah. so there's never any reason for him to lie about that because he always comes from such a place of certainty and like determination. So it, it was interesting that he needed Damar to tell him that like, you know, lying is a thing, right? <laughs> well, and also like. It was probably a good place to start if this was going to be his first lie, because it's a lie by omission, which is a little easier mm -hmm. than outright lying. You know, yeah. you just don't tell the Jem'Hadar what's on the ship. So I imagine extreme honesty start. could also just be part of their uh, engineering, so they can't lie to the bosses. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, because you really don't want them to be able to hide anything from you. It, it sucks to be a Vorta. No sense of aesthetics, shitty sense of taste, bad vision. You know, all you have is a good sense of hearing. Yeah, like, this, actually, <laughs> this reminds me a bit of what the original plan for this episode was, and and it was going to be a the the, the Wayun, and this would have probably still been Wayun Five. I don't think they would have bothered with new Wayuns. Uh, would have come to Cisco to be like, "You've got to help! You've got to help! The founders are breeding a new race to replace the Jem Hadar, and they're going to be even they're going to be even worse, and we don't believe in this." And then Cisco would do some helping until they realized. Damn it, Wayun! These weren't going to replace the Gem Hadar. They were going to replace the Vorda, and you're just being <laughs> a little bitch. <laughs> and that's the kind of lie. It's like that lie doesn't even accomplish much because if you told them, if if in that scenario, Wayun had just told Cisco in this incident that they're cloning a new thing to replace the Vorda, that's about that's still just as bad to Cisco as the other thing. <laughs> I well, this maybe is a I don't know. Episode. I think I think I think stronger and better warriors warrants quicker action than people who might be better negotiators. Hmm. These are even better personal assistants. <laughs> yeah. Watch out! Does, um... Watch out! The administrative <laughs> assistants are leveling up. So, uh, Wayun Seven does actually lie to the founder, though. Doesn't yeah. He? Yeah, no, that's was, true. Yeah, you know, was it? Was it? Comes in. Did it follow as a lie of omission, or was like? No, I think he straight up like she was like because she overheard she heard the end of what they were talking about, and she's like, "Oh, have you found Wayun Six? And he's like, "No, no, no, no. We were talking about something else." Was not that, true. Or am I making that up? And no, you're right. There, there was. That's how it went. Yeah, we were talking. That's another ship that we're dealing with. That's good. Yeah, yeah no. He's gone. Um, he's he's gone overboard with the ability to lie. Yeah, he he he's, now he's thinks he's, he's a god. <laughs> so speaking of thinking things are gods, so I love the origin story of the the Vorta. If it's yeah. even true, the legend of how the Vorta came to be. You said if it's way, true, or if they think it's true. Well, they think it's true, but who knows if it's actually true? Certainly yeah. not true. Yeah. <laughs> 
Not um, even but, a little bit. It's an origin. Oh, we <laughs> we helped a founder, and to thank us, they they enslaved us. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it made me think of the Oompa Loompa. Yeah, huh. it is kind of because, like, I guess, like Willy Wonka discovers them and finds out that they're like being gobbled up by snaz, vermicious canids, vermicious canids, whatever. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, I will take you home with me and I'll pay you in cocoa beans because I know you like those and you can be my slaves. I mean, my factory workers. But you have to murder children and sing about it. That was actually just a bonus for the Oompa Loompa. Fun fact, uh, vermicious canids are also shapeshifters. Are there they? Yeah. Maybe it. Maybe really? they. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Same. Same More founder myth than we thought. Are Oompa Loompa uh, the um, ancestors of Vorda? Maybe. Yeah, they're only mentioned in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but you actually see some in Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Wait, vermicious canids? You mean? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying you only see Oompa Loompa. I was like, uh, pretty sure that's not true. And that's how you found out they're they're like they're not like full on changelings, but they they are horrible blob creatures that can turn shapes as needed to do stuff. Oh, so they're actually the race of aliens from Galaxy Quest. Here you go. No, they were using holographic emitters to hide their appearance. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah. they're they're, they're just enough. they're just squids, tentacle monsters. Yeah. Um, so and Tony Shalhoub is here for it in this episode. Yeah. yeah, in this episode. So the so the other nice thing that I I liked. It, it's very similar to what, what we said about Bajorans, but how when Odo's like, you know, the only reason you think the founders are gods are because they genetically programmed you to think they were gods. And what you completely logically says, yes, because that's what gods do. I yeah. like that. That's yeah. a great line. I love it. Because like, yeah, yeah, like, you can't it. help but be like, yeah, I guess... I guess, yeah, what's the difference between a god and someone that tells you and, you know, can genetically alter you? Well, I mean, if you look even at, like, the Bible, like, God creates the angels to worship him because he's lonely. Well, it might not be the Bible, it might be Inferno. Either way. Is Julian Bashir God? Uh, Yeah, so I think that this... A lot of these discussions with Odo and and Wayun Six are are really interesting because like Odo Odo doesn't so so every time Odo has interacted with the Wayuns he's always very much been like I'm not a god and and you know it's like I'm just a person like don't don't do that but he's he's starting to understand that it doesn't matter what he knows himself to be because these people do consider him a god he can't like it's 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 very analogous to the things that. Things that Cisco had to go through with being the emissary where like he's he says, I'm just a normal person, but he can make someone's life by like giving a blessing to their to like their wedding or whatever. Yeah. And like it isn't it's still important that he does it, even though he feels himself to not be that special. Other people really do take comfort in him when he provides it to them. And that's exactly the same thing that happens to Wayun Six at the end is he's he's begging Odo like, you know, Wayun Six is like, I don't care what you think you are. Like, I consider you a god. I did all of this for you. Like, it, like if you just recognize that, I will die okay. I actually, you know, again, uh, when we first watched the scene, I even brought up, oh god, it's Little sad. So in Galaxy Quest, when Alan Rickman is comforting the dying Thermian, 
and uh, finally says the line about Grapthar's hammer and means it for the first time yeah. in the whole movie. Well, and then we get this nice scene with uh, Odo and Nerys at the end where she's like, yeah, I mean, you all just think they're, you know, wormhole aliens. But to me, those are my gods. And like, I totally get how he feels. And I think since Odo, Odo's faith is Kira, like Kira is what Odo believes in. I think it's helpful to him to have her to like kind of offer these lessons. Yeah. I don't know. I would say the number of times they said faith in this episode started to like feel like hammers against the side of my head. I actually didn't notice, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't either, but I believe you. Wait, wait, what were they saying? Just faith. faith. Oh, faith. It's it's in the title. So they said treachery once. I'm like, ugh. They said faith about 50 times. And I was like, ugh, 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 ugh. And they also said it in the B plot a lot. Yep. Mm, Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, we got all of the uh, the great, was it? The great material continuum. Material continuum. Yeah. I kind of like that, too, though, as I feel like that is true. It's sort of like money makes the world go round. But I mean, it's, it's also just like it's true that if you work with people and get what they need, you can sometimes get what you need. Can't always get what you want, etc. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's a continuation of Star Trek justifying all alien religions are true except for human religions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the gods are always aliens, like Apollo. Right. What? That's, that's actually you're right. I forgot. Nope, our religions are also true. <laughs> Just the ancient ones. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, say it's, that's... it's really only Jesus that's bullshit. I think the as, problem is as like... Gene Bottom Bottomberry. <laughs> I mean, I think Gene Longbottom. What it comes down to is like. They got to leave that one as alone as possible, because no matter what they're going to like, I feel like if they did come out and say, look, here's God, he's real. Here's Jesus. It would still piss off Christian viewers. Oh, yeah. I mean, God exists. He lives on Shakari <laughs> and he could you really use a starship. We've they met established, the devil. That is that we have met the devil. That was not God. That was a fake God. But we have met the devil. The devil He's is the real. god of Shakari. If the devil's real, though, then God has to be real, right? In theory, yes. We just haven't met him yet. Fair enough. Now nah, we might just uh, live in a really bad universe. <laughs> there's, there's, well, there's no. Not, the coin is not two sided. <laughs> so, what did you true. say, Jake? Said so we've met people pretending to be the devil, so we don't know if the uh, magic's dude is uh, or Ardra. <laughs> well, I to say Ardra, but Ardra is a charlatan. Nope, she's uh, the devil. So we but we don't know. The other guy could also have been a charlatan. Okay, There's also I, Q. There's also literal God Q. Here's the thing. While I know that literal God Q is like pretty much omnipotent and shit, I don't think literal God would be that fucking obsessed with Picard. Picard's not that interesting. Literal God can basically do whatever he wants. I just don't see literal God being well, that interested. And if you read the Bible... The God of the Bible likes to involve himself in people's lives for reasons all the time. Old Testament God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. But not as much. Not as much New Testament God. And besides, Old Testament God used to like being like, why don't you kill your whole family to prove that you believe in me? All right. That sounds like something that a more sadistic Q would get up to. There's a whole there's a whole continuum. They they are many and one, just like right. God. Don't like it. But Odo, not a great God. No. Question for Caitlin. Odo. Yes. Yeah. Good masseuse. 
Oh God! It seemed so. I was into it. Because <laughs> I it know looked... we've we've seen some bad massaging on this show. Oh, yeah. well, it was hard to it was hard to Lower. say. Yeah, no. When, when they first <laughs> when they first started that scene, I was like, oh, poor Kira. Jedzy, Terry Farrell left, and now they're passing on all the creepy, almost nude scenes to poor Kira. At least uh, it wasn't I mean, a foot massage. Mm. Here's the thing. I think if you put Odo into a, one of those foot massage things and just let him be goo, that would feel great. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. I'd be all about that. But yeah, uh, to be fair, I, I don't know because it was just CG. But I'm willing to bet it would be great because he can probably like heat his shit up and like shape it just right to like push into all the right spaces and Kira looked happy so I buy it. It's funny before, better than better than O'Brien. <laughs> right before they cut down to his hands being just a big puddle I was going to I was going to say to Caitlin a joke like oh man I bet he's turned his hands into like a couple of those like you know fucking masseuse tools or something like the little you know those weird oh, the three the three no no, no, no the like three legged the three like, plastic things, things that yeah. you just kind of like can just turn his here. hands into those and it's like nope he's actually just made a big goo mat but now that you mention it he probably could turn his hand into a hitachi magic <laughs> like, wand oh and... no the, the the human sibian machine no man no sex with him would be amazing he can do all kinds of shit but imagine probably. no imagine if you're odo and you're having sex with it with a solid and the solid's like you know what could you just be a dildo instead no he doesn't have to be a dildo instead he can be a dildo at the same time he can do all of it he can have one hand as a hitachi wand while his dick is some gigantic insane thing if that's what you're into he could probably double it up he could probably give you the klingon experience if you wanted i'm just saying the possibilities are endless that's that's, the that's look a good on, point and the look on and james's kira, face is my yeah james right looks now. very sad um and here's the thing you know <laughs> kira doesn't like the hollow suite but now she's got it in real life so she has no need for hollow suites could you be a washing machine <laughs> Listen, James. She asked me. I, I can't no, it's, help. No, she, it's all good. No, hey, I'm from, a I'm a guest here. I I am by I'm here by your grace alone. From last episode, it seems like she's getting kind of used to the hollow suite because her and Odo seem uh, to like yeah. going to Vix. I was going to say they're going to Vix, right? Ugh. I mean, the thing is, like, say we about Vix. He looks good in a tux, and she looks good in mid-century evening wear. So yeah, but then you have to go listen to Vic. He's going to call you Pally like six or seven is, times. Is Vic, is Vic good yet? Because I remember Vic being good, but I feel like Vic hasn't been good. Vic is so I think trying Vic, too hard. Vic, I think, gets better soon. But I think still, we're getting to that. Yeah, I think we're getting yeah. to some the good, There's some good Vic episodes that I think happen. Or at least I... It might I recall I, them existing. I, I remember liking Vic a lot for some reason. Me too. And like... I it, like I I when we've been watching the Vic episodes and every one of them like oh oh no there's another four hour song oh god he's being creepy Odo to be creepy so at least from now on we have a lower song bar so anything Vic That's does true. from here on out is going to be better I want, I want the next Vic episode to be like and this one goes out to Julian Bashir do re mi fa sol do. Want to want to know a boy. really bad piece of trivia I just saw? Yes. Uh, so the title works for both the A and B plots because <sighs> they t- 
Odo took the Rio Grande, the USS Rio Grande, which oh. translates to Great River. Great River. Oh, oh shit. It is and it's also life. the Great River of the material continuum. But that is that is really clever on the part of the whoever titled this episode. I now yeah. feel shitty about every episode title this, I have come up with. This might be the the best title in all of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. You're just you gonna have right. to call this episode "Treachery, Faith, and the Great River." Seriously, yeah. We've had every episode from now on of our podcast. <laughs> you're just gonna have to call "Treachery, Faith, and the Great River." <laughs> no, I'm gonna call it "Treachery, Faith, and the Great Glass Elevator." I like there it. You I noticed something about the Rio Grande, and maybe I just maybe this has been the case in the past, and I just didn't notice it. But has there always been a door between the transporter and the and the cockpit of runabouts? I feel like the, usually the transporter is just in the cockpit behind the I think seats. I don't know. It might have been more open previously. Yeah. yeah I feel like they've they've reconfigured the the bridge area a bit. Maybe. Maybe it's one of those doors you can just pull out from the wall. <laughs> like an accordion door or whatever. Yeah. So I actually interestingly a few weeks ago I was looking into runabouts on my own time and nerd a thing that like was never i don't know if it's something they sort of abandoned or it was just never made clear in the show but they are they were originally designed with the idea being they are like ultra modular oh in that like the cockpit is its own unit everything behind it is its own unit and then the nacelles and everything kind of over the roof is its own unit. So it was, it was like cars. those. I mean, it was like those toy cars where you could like mash like fifteen pieces together and get Kinda. like a really long car toy. Yes, we, sort of. Yeah, seen runabouts that have like a torpedo launcher on top. The, yeah, like they've shown it to an extent, and like occasionally the stuff on the top has swapped out. But in theory, like the idea is like that. It just. You could swap out the whole back with a completely different back that is, like, for cargo instead of living or more sensors or whatever. That's cool. I know that there's one that has old fruit in the back. Yes, there is definitely one of those. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I again, I don't know if this is something that was still theoretically, like, there and just never mentioned in the show, kind of like the captain's yacht on uh, TNG, or if it's something that he's just didn't even make it into the like production phase or not, but it was interesting. You know, what's crazy. We spend on deep space nine so much goddamn time in runabouts yet. We've never gone aft in the runabout in deep space nine. And we yeah, only no, just saw TNG. the runabout once in TNG and we went aft. Yep. What's up with that? What's the deal? I, I think when we watched that episode, Ames research dug up that that is in fact the only time they show the aft section. They never got to around to it on DS9. Hmm. Weird. Probably in part probably in part because they eventually got the Defiant and that became the yeah. like huh. go-to yeah. ship for big travels. Go to aft. Mm. I have two unrelated notes. Let's bang off the first one first. Sure. Wayun goes to sleep and has a nightmare. And when yeah. he wakes up, my first thought was is this the first time Weiyun 6 has slept and he had no idea what the fuck it was? Kind of like <laughs> I... how when we saw Q sleep and assumed he had died. So I was under the... I like They didn't make it explicit. I was expecting them to. But I had assumed the idea was that Forda don't dream normally. Oh, that's Cause interesting. Because I, I imagine they probably need to sleep. There's only so much genetic engineering you can do. 
but it, I wouldn't be surprised if they're designed to not dream. So it maybe is not the first time he's slept, but it's the first time he's dreamt. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, he is actually pretty broken in some way from the genetic process. Like he is kind of defective, quote unquote. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the defect really, if anything, is just making him more. If anything, it's just because certain aspects of it are breaking and he's being more of a natural creature able to sort of dream and see was, things from other angles. He was kind of like when a dog has a nightmare. Yeah, very much so. Cool. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, and I, correct me if I've, if I've said this before. So we see some female changeling doing her female changeling thing. Mm-hmm. Why do they always appear in the same sort of Odo look, even in front of Dominion people? who have ne- probably never seen them in this form until we met Odo. Maybe it's yeah. like how in musical theater the characters aren't really singing, it's just like a metaphor for them discussing what's happening. Maybe that isn't how she appears, but they're showing her that way for us, because that's how we recognize her. No, it's not that. <laughs> I also just think that maybe maybe the reason why Odo looks the way Odo does. Like, we're assuming that they're just looking like Odo. But maybe, because we know that they started, or they say at one point that they started as solids eons ago. Maybe that's just what they looked like in their solid form. But they have more of Pole's hair. Yeah, that's the thing. Odo's hair is based on somebody he knew. Yeah, that's true. Either, or maybe Maura Pole was just like, man, Odo's got a cool do. No, actually, you know what it is? <laughs> they actually did have always looked like that. The one thing they changed was the haircut. Before right. that, they all had kind of like mop tops. Mohawks. Ooh. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah, otherwise, yeah. like if they were going to assume solid form to interact with other solids, what would they, would they choose to look like? Vorda? Would Zebra. they choose to look like Cardassians? <laughs> or like, do you just do you just make yourself look like the person you're talking to to make them feel more comfortable? Or... I feel that, like, weird, that weird me the fuck out. Yeah. I feel like really. they would they would probably have like sets of things that they would prefer to do. Like they wouldn't want to copy someone if they could avoid it because they're below like like the card they wouldn't want to look like a Vorda because the Vorda are literally below them. Yeah, they're subservient. Um, but they also don't really they also seem to have a, a real like abhorrence of like just the solids in general. So having a consistent form that they show to people, they would probably also not be okay with. So if they felt like they couldn't just be like angry puddles of goo yelling at people, they would probably change up their appearance every single time instead of, you know, instead of being a, you know, a consistent solid because that's, that's kind of ugh to them. From the other angle, you could say maybe they look like that because it's a very generic look. And so no one species, except maybe humans, can sort of look at them and feel like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of like me, but not quite. You're very smooth. Mm. Maybe it's like the maybe it's also like because we know that more complicated forms take up more effort. Yeah. To maintain. So maybe that is just the closest thing that they can get to a humanoid form without, you know, really straining themselves. So it's just, it's like well, the especially easy... if she's already feeling sick, that's how mm. you could explain it this time. Yeah. Well, but that's new, of course, like, well, but I just mean like, we usually see her interacting with Odo, don't we? This time she's, this is like the first time I think, is this the first time we've seen her in that form? Not 
with Odo. Remember, we saw him a few times. We saw him cuss out Wayun and and Ducat before. I think. Okay. All right. Well, then never mind. Yeah, I think there's. I think ultimately there's no good answer. They just. No. Yeah, they no. shouldn't. They shouldn't. They look wanted like to that. have a they consistent actor, and they hadn't quite figured out how this shit was gonna work. When well, they and they've already got chose the prosthetics. The yeah, they don't have to do extra and, shit there. And they just wanted to like make it clear that this is the same species as Odo. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I look back at whoever originally said. Man, we changed up the Zial actress all the time, and that was fun. We should have done it every single time. If they were going to do that with anybody, they should have done it with changelings. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I think it does allow for there to be like some characterization that wouldn't be there otherwise, and it does it does also kind of like because they're now getting isolated like it would be kind of interesting if like if they were always different, but now that they're isolated from the Delta Quadrant Delta. Yeah, gamma. no, um, gamma. gamma. Gamma Quadrant, thank you. That, like, maybe, like, it would start to mess with them a bit, and so, like, they would start taking the same form each time, and that would actually be kind of messing with them. Um, mm. Like, they're not, it's like, I'm not used to, I'm, I'm used to being in the link and, like, being a mushy, connected to everybody thing. I didn't even really have an individuality. Now that I can't connect with anybody, literally, like, I'm developing one and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I suddenly enjoy Cool Ranch Doritos, and I'm not sure how to feel. Oh, yeah. Do they like Mountain Dew also? Feel excellent. <laughs> my my personal last observation on this episode that I kind of liked was at the end when Wei Yun activated his kill switch. He was like, so so even though the whole time he was like being like, oh, the founders are gods, you're a god, Odo. Like you you do everything for a reason and it's perfect. Like even in in the face of that, he still holds his faith while he's dying. And he yeah. said like it was supposed to be quick and painless. It's not. Like, oh. <laughs> like his cool switch is like really, really unc- like it's just an awful experience, and it was supposed to be painless. And despite all that, he's still like, "But I love the gods." What's well, yeah, that's what's interesting is like what you find out is like, okay, I want to defect because of reason X, Y, and Z, and this. But really, what it comes down to is he wants to defect to preserve in his mind the Dominion because like the Dominion is dying. You're separate. You can be the new Dominion. Yeah. I you mean, get yes. all the Jem'Hadar as your new children. Well, and he admit, you know, he wants them to be a dominion that grows through words, not war. But still, it's like it's really kind of great that at the end of the day, he's actually still very much a Vorda. He just has a slightly different perspective. That's that's what I. It's that's not what I, hugely different. Yeah, that's that's what I really liked with it is like, you know, given given a strict set of rules, how can those rules be interpreted in certain ways? And I, I really love stories that that deal with that. So like the way in six really might not have actually been defective. He might have just seen the rules in in the way that it's like, no, Odo is the really, future. Really, it's all the other way are defective because their programming makes them not see what's happening in front of yeah. their fucking faces. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but from the perspective of the founders, yeah. that makes yeah, yeah exactly. So it's yes, he is defective based on what the design spec of the Wayun Vorda should be. Yeah. He's, I think does not I, meet the prototype. I think even I think even the design like I think he's still following the design spec. It just it he's following the programming. The programmers messed up. 
Like the 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 intent of the programmers was make sure all the Wayunes are subservient to us at all costs. But they didn't say that exactly. They said be subservient to like the founders and or the Dominion. So yeah. so following that programming, it's actually very logical that some of some of the Vorta could say, well, the Dominion's dying when it dies. Odo is the founders, is the Dominion. And so yeah. that's why they would throw in with him. And so I think that's but, following the same programming. It's just not what the founders intended when they wrote so it. So do you think that they fixed the, like it was a bug and they just fixed it for Wayun 7? They probably like, could have updated it, yeah. So they, yeah, they could have, like so realized, yeah, they like, could have. Oh, the reason he's gone rogue is because of this. We never, we never anticipated a situation where the there could be a conflict between supporting the dominion and supporting the founders yeah 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 because however however many centuries ago they designed the programming mm-hmm. there was never a doubt in their mind that the founders and the, the dominion would be a absolute and the same yeah right it's That's also just as far as you know if we look at this as an almost religious schism you know it's funny how often a schism forms over not major differences of opinion but just a small difference in interpretation mm. which creates a whole new offshoot of a faith do you think faith, William six you nailed say. nailed a bunch of things to the the church door yeah no basically off? you know he, he, well it, you know it's all metal so he actually was just a magnet and then he ran away <laughs> he also rang the doorbell before he ran away yeah he giggled yeah, yeah. <laughs> goodbye tomorrow ditch <laughs> you drunk prick i hate you uh i do love that Damar is always drinking now always really committed he's so unhappy this alcoholism have have they have they said the canar for damar line yet yes i think they i think they did i think that's when they were still occupying the station yeah oh okay i was i always appreciated that and i liked and and like and and damar like actively corrupting weyun seven and somehow being successful in it like he's like hey why don't you drink with me or was that him or was that him or was that damar trying to kill him Oh, that's a good question. I, ke- I kept thinking he was trying to poison Wayun 7 because he clearly <laughs> killed Wayun 5. <laughs> they looked into it. It was fine. <laughs> All my best people determined I did not kill him. Yeah. <laughs> we brought in the judge and everything. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think that Cardassian lawyer... Oh, Jake's favorite <laughs> lawyer yeah. was like, as you can see, Demar did not me, kill. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he would have been. He would have been because uh, it's his job to lose. So he would have been uh, the one arguing for uh, William was murdered. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of murdered, I feel like we've beaten this dead horse. Am I right? Hey. Yeah. Well, if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, not about horse beating, but about Star Trek. Might be uh, about horse beating. What? I make no promises. I don't know. Well, fine. Maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Either way, you can join us every week. We release new episodes on Thursday. It's usually first thing. Chris uh, schedules that shit to go off Thursday morning most of the time. So... Join us. You can uh, you can subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out. If you can't wait between episodes to have more interaction with our podcast, you can check out Facebook. We're there. You can search for A Star to Steer Her By. We are at SSHB Podcast on Twitter and Tumblr. Or you can visit our website, SSHBpodcast.com. 
com. Next, next week, we're going to talk about, yeah, next week, we're going to talk about two more episodes of Deep Space Nine. We're going to talk about Once More Unto the Breach and the Siege of AR-558. Can't wait to see what that's about. As for this week, I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. I'm James. Yay! Yay, James. Do, Do re mi fa. So re My voice is real bad so today. Do. Do. Do re mi. Do re mi. Do re mi. Do re mi. Do re mi fa so. It's not as fun if you guys don't do it too. That is a. That is a.